Hey there! Thank you for checking out the Battleface podcast. This project was born as a way for me and my buddy Derringer to talk about all the nerdy things that we like, and we'd love for you to be a part of the conversation. Check us out on YouTube and Instagram at the Battleface. Now, on to the episode. The Battleface podcast is broadcast live on Fridays and Sundays, and we encourage you to come hang out and chat with Bard and Dare live. Now, prepare to declare attacks. You are entering the Battleface. Hello, everyone. You have entered the battle phase. It is I, the Midnight Bard, your favorite bard, and I had entirely too much for breakfast. Joining me as always is everyone's favorite co-host with the most ghost and back by popular demand, Derringer. That's me. I'm the ghost with the host, host, toast, most. And you're back by popular demand. You, you, you uh, were missed. During uh, the Friday episode, and uh, you you were on Gamma's uh, what was it subathon? The power went out, so ah, that sucks. Well, that's a shame, but uh, you know we're happy to have you back. Uh, We had a a fair bit of technical difficulties, and I'll talk about that here in a second. Um, But uh, before we begin. Uh, to all of our watchers on YouTube, please remember to like, sub, and share. You know, we are trying to grow as much as possible, and I see a new subscriber every other day, and it makes me just so happy, and it tickles me very pink, despite the fact that I am, in fact, blue. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, and to our listeners on the podcasting platforms, uh, welcome, and thank you for listening. Please remember to uh, to join in the conversation. Follow us on Threads and Instagram. Uh, chat with us. You know we are always happy to 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 hear from you guys. And uh, be sure to check out our latest episode, which was a bonus episode recorded this past Friday, uh, the One Piece episode, where Wilo and I discussed One Piece. Uh, and th- th- this is exactly what I was telling you, Dara. Whenever you said that you that you were feeling under the weather so you couldn't uh, do the episode i figured you know what i've been meaning to talk about one piece for a long long time and uh wilo and i happened to be roughly at the same area on one piece we were like about eight episodes away from each other so i was like hey you want to just like chat about one piece for like an episode and he was like yeah sure so we went live to chat about One Piece, the anime. You know, like it, coincidentally, it was also the same day that the uh, that the live action came out. Uh, so it wasn't actually Friday; it was Thursday. Um, but so we we started talking about One Piece, the anime, and it that that show was riddled with technical difficulties. Like the stream kept crashing. And, like, we just had, like, bad connection, and it, it was a nightmare to deal with. But, like, you know, it was funny because at one point, uh, you, I, I'm like, man, what is happening? And then uh, I think it was Wyla who says, you know what? It's because it's Dare's not here. You know, Dare's absence is making is making all these technical difficulties happen. And I was like, yeah, you know what? That's fair. That that is. I told you, I'm the I'm the glue that holds this thing together. Yeah, you are the glue that holds this thing together. 
So, you know, to, to you guys on the, on the podcasting platforms, uh, congratulations. You actually have the edited version of that episode where I cut out all of the technical difficulties. So, But uh, what are we watching this week, Dare? I don't know. What are you watching this week? Well, we, we, we ha- actually have two things that I posted on here that uh, one of them you shared, which was the pendulum problem, uh, which was uh, posted up uh, on the MBT YGO uh, YouTube channel. Uh, where MBT talks about uh, how difficult uh, or how weird pendulums are as a as a deck as a card type as a as an archetype because if we're being real with each other pendulum is basically just one big archetype or at least that's how players have always treated it you know yeah yeah so I mean a couple a couple of the points that he makes here is uh, uh for one thing pen best deck let's go uh but secondly it, it's one of the more complicated mechanics in Yu-Gi-Oh! like if we're being real because it's uh for for one thing it, it's like super unintuitive like you know like if you've been playing Yu-Gi-Oh! for a long long time it, it's a little easier to grasp but if you're a, like if you're trying to explain it to a new player this is just off the wall like this this would make very little sense to anyone just trying to like read a rule book right and the yeah. idea is firstly they're both monsters and spells you know like a pendulum monster is also a spell card um they they have the scales which you know you are allowed to summon as many things from your hand and face up extra deck uh, that that have levels that land between the scales. So if you have a four and an eight, you can special summon five, six, and seven, and you know, like stuff like that. But secondly, it, it, that just kind of brings up another thing. Now we can put things face up on the extra deck, which is which was not something that we could do before, right? Before we, you couldn't no. add things to the extra deck. Now you can, you know. So it's it's weird. Um, they go face up to the extra deck when they're destroyed, and uh, each pendulum card has both a monster effect and a a a spell effect, and they can be put in the back row as scales. So you know, instead of summoning like your level eight pendulum monster, uh, you could set it in a scale zone in the back row, and that works just fine. Which that used to not even be the case because they had their own pendulum zones on the side of the board. Yeah, that's right. So the, you would have your five monsters, five spell trap, and then two pendulum zones and, on the side. And two pendulum zones on the side, which 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 was insane, right? Because it, it was kind of like the, the, the board was redesigned uh, for pendulums. And eventually, like, that redesign was like, you know what? Those pendulum zones on the side, how about we just make it like the last two, like, you know, like the the spell and trap zones all the way at the very end, right? So, like, the one the one all the way to the left and the one all the way to the right. And, and it was just kind of, like, a really, really weird thing. So, it's just, like, hmm. Uh, so, it, just a lot of really weird things about pendulums. And then uh, we, we kind of get to the question with, like, well, okay, well, how do you play them? And the answer is in the most boring way imaginable. You know, you use them as infinite extension to put as many bodies on the board as you can. So that you can summon generic boss monsters, easy peasy, you know. Yeah. Typically, every every pendulum deck dissolves to Appaloosa, Borolode, Savage, Baron, Pass, you know. And, and that's the 
that's the play style of like pendulum it's always been the play style is summon out a bunch of things go into bigger thing pass yeah yeah but bunch of stuff makes other stuff pass and so like i i feel like you know as a monster type they they feel to lack identity creativity you know well like they're I don't know. It's not like Synchro Monsters or Xyz Monsters where you can just kind of put them in any deck. Pendulum Monsters and they feel like you have to have a Pendulum deck to actually run True. Pendulums. True. Like there are some that you can just throw into any deck like uh, Abyss, Act and Cur- Abyss Actor Curtain Racers. Uh, a good example is because if you don't control anything, you can put it in your scale and then special summon it and you have a level 4 on the field. Right. But uh, they just, they don't seem to work with anything else really all that well other than themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's like you said earlier, Pendulum, they don't really have an identity as like specific archetypes. You can say uh, there's Abyss Actors, there's uh, Endymion, there's Dynamist. But in reality, they're all just kind of one big archetype. Yeah, like, you know, whenever whenever you're playing a pendulum deck you're pretty much just choosing the best 40 pendulum cards and playing all of them together right yeah that's not to say that you know they don't they don't have archetypes of their own that they could function in it's just like the the optimal way to play pendulum is just use the best stuff to make generic strong monsters uh so like you know even though you have like for example metal foes are their own thing and they and they can they they can uh, do fun stuff, you know. They can fusion summon, etc. Uh, generally, you know, like you don't play metal foes, and if you do, it... you play electromite, and that's about it. Yeah, you play. You like, probably play like, electromite. Yeah, and th- that's um, a... unless you're playing like on Master Duel, no one plays metal foes. Yeah. Well, e- even it's... on Master Duels, they don't like every time. <laughs> like, because you know, like now they have like that thing. Uh, whenever you're watching your replays, where it tells you. Uh, the percentage the of a card used, yeah. yeah, and like metal foes are abysmal. Like nobody, except for maybe me. <laughs> so it, it's a mess. Uh, but like other things is like for example, odd eyes. Odd eyes has a whole mess of pendulum cards, you know, and, and uh, nobody plays an odd eyes deck. They just choose the best odd eyes pendulum support and they play that. Yeah, you play absolute zero, yeah, and you play. Um the vortex yeah those are like the only two good odd eyes cards really because like what does bd or burst do what does the ritual one do what does uh i don't even remember what the other ones are mm-hmm. but like they, they don't do anything like they tried to give odd eyes one of each type mm-hmm. because it was like the main protagonist deck mm-hmm. but like that's the thing a lot of the pendulum monsters they either don't have good effects or they're just not worth playing. Because at one point, Odd Eyes, just like the regular Pendulum Odd Eyes Dragon, was like somewhat competitive because you could summon it and then it did double damage. Yeah. But I mean, that was it. Yeah. So, I mean, like, yeah, you, you, but you see what I'm saying, though, is like, you know, it very, very generally speaking, 
you don't play a pendulum archetype. You play pendulum as the archetype. I think the yeah. only one that like that deviates from that, well, that has deviated from that has been Endymion, which Endymion, uh, just as as a deck, like can do a lot of really silly things. But it also sometimes just grabs the good stuff and throws it in an Endymion deck. You know? Yeah. Yeah. With Pendulum, it seems like Konami and the MBT uh mentioned this they're trying different things with it Mm -hmm. because like with the valence archetype all of those have effects that move the cards yeah and you go from playing Yu-Gi-Oh to playing like a a A tactical rpg or like a moba yeah yeah it's like a rpg almost yeah where you're you're moving the valence monsters around the board Mm -hmm. and it's complicated and then you have something like the uh Nimleria archetype where it's basically a story of this little girl who you play her in the pendulum zone and then you destroy her so she's face up on the extra deck which is her bed mm-hmm. and then she dreams of all of these like giant candy monsters uh, and it's a unique archetype I, for I, one, I hope they give it more support. Yeah, I was going to say, I, for one, cannot wait for that to hit Master Duel. Uh, like, but that said, I, I play Valence, and Valence is fun. You know, like, it's it's interesting, it's creative. You know, like, you, the moving pieces on your board is just adds an extra layer of strategy to your gameplay, you know? Because uh, you have to think in advance. Okay, like, oh, well, if I move this here, I'm blocking this zone, but I need that zone open so that I can move this other thing to trigger its effect. Uh, you know, I have these cards in graveyard that will banish in order to move something on my board. I have this field spell, which allows me to move something on my opponent's board. Uh, so it adds, like, really weird and really creative elements to gameplay. And it's one of the things that, I, that I've that i loved about Yu-Gi-Oh! for a long time is that sometimes an archetype can make you play a different game within this game. So that, that yeah. like, for example, Valence is one. The other is Flower Guardians, which if you're ever playing Flower Guardians, all you're really doing is playing Super Koi Koi. <laughs> it, that, that's what it is, you know? Like, it's crazy. Um, I mean, if you're playing against... If you're playing against Flower Guardians, you're not actually playing the game. You're just you're just waiting for your opponent to either deck themselves out or end on two of the like lightning showers that they're just going to keep passing. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, uh, I love Flower Guardians as a as a deck, dude. But like, I I it's it's one of the three decks that I had. I I could play that in the tournament. Oh, neat! Because yeah. it's a warrior deck. You should absolutely Flower Guardians do so. are warriors. You should absolutely do so. And here's the cool thing, because, because you know, like, uh, here, here's the thing. Uh, given that, you know, our upcoming tournaments, either spellcasters or, you know, warriors, that means that things that would normally stop Flower Guardians, such as, you know, Droll and Lockbird or Ash Blossom, aren't going to be playable. You think those stop Flower Guardians? Uh, they I, don't stop Flower Guardians. <laughs> I think a well-timed Ash Blossom can bring a, a Flower Guardian deck to a full stop, unless it's a it's a really dedicated Flower Guardian player. I've seen I've seen Flower Guardians crumble to a single interaction, but you know, then again, the people I've seen playing Flower Guardians were just trying to make a point of how complicated the deck is. So I don't know. 
Um, it's just click yes and hope <laughs> that you don't like end on something bad. I remember when I first saw like the 10 minute testing that MBT did on Flower Cardians and in my head, you know, just just watching what they did uh, being a new uh, or a returning player to Yu-Gi-Oh! All I could think about what all I could think to myself was this must be the best deck in the game. <laughs> in retrospect, I mean, no, but <laughs> at the time, you know, it's just like because of how much it can do in my head. I'm like, well, this is amazing. It must be the best deck in the game. Uh, so like yeah like uh i was in for a rude awakening after after i finished building it so i was like oh so no it's it's not in fact the best deck of the game it's just really really complicated um it 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 does an awful lot but like it it ultimately it amounts to like you know if you executed your combo right you get like what is it light shower and like light ray um and you get you get like two or three of them. Yeah, you get like three of them or something like that. It's pretty it's pretty it's pretty fun if if you can if you can play it well. But like, I, I've never been able to. So there's that. Uh, so yeah, uh, MBT had did mention, and this is something that I had noticed too, that Konami is starting to treat Pendulum kind of like uh, let's let's make them do weird and interesting things, so that uh, so that you know like they don't all just kind of end up in the same Pendulum pile. So well, that's they they uh, for the longest time they've not even like given any care to pendulums. Which true. Was, like they, it seemed like they just wanted the playstyle to go away. Yeah, because <laughs> it was after they changed to Master Rule Four. Mm-hmm. Or are we on four or five? We're on Master Rule four. Five right now, I think. Uh, before they changed to having link monsters, it was, it was just like. After links, and we got rid of the uh, pendulum zones on the side. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like they were like, "Go away, pendulum monsters! We don't love you anymore." Yeah, it's because it it brought forth like a really bad time in Yu Gi Oh because pendulums were like just too powerful because you had like things like Pepe and uh, I don't remember the other one that was really good. That was a tier zero format, and they're like, we made a mistake. Well, it it could be argued that like there has been uh, multiple tier zero formats revolving around certain decks, right? And so like that was just its time to shine. I mean, it's not like there wasn't a tier zero format before Pepe. So I'm like, uh, this but- was like. A deck that they shot multiple times and they just could not keep it down. <laughs> Those exist like, today. So I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. But, but the difference is these are archetypes that you can like specifically isolate and take take their power down. Where mm. Pendulum was a pile that they had to hit this card, this card, this card. Well, we can replace this card with this card. And now they have to hit this card, this card, and this card. Well, we can replace that with this. Yeah, like we can't have so, Electromite, but we can have Beyond the Pendulum, right? You know, it's 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 kind of it's kind of like Pendulum is so much worse than Electromite, but it's still so good. Yeah, it's really good. I like it. Uh, but we're, we're never ca- getting Electromite back. Kind I mean, I feel like we might with time. Like you know, if Power Creep takes us to a place which it more certainly, most undoubtedly, probably will. Uh, you know, like takes us to a place where you know, like where every deck is just kind of like playing turn zero. I'm like, I don't see a problem with Electromite. 
anyway, to, to kind of conclude on this is, you know, like, uh, yeah, new uh, pendulum archetypes are kind of doing like a bunch of new and interesting things. And I absolutely love the the way that Balmonica is like, oh, they're the devil and the angel on your shoulder. See, because you put them on the far left and the far right pendulum zones and that 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 makes them count as your shoulders, right? The pendulum scales are your shoulders and you put an angel and a devil on there and then you do what they tell you. I'm like, this is great. I'm like, I, I freaking love this. Um, And as I mentioned, Valence, Valence is fun. You know, so like Abyss Actors, I have to try out the new Abyss Actor stuff. I haven't done it yet. Uh, but Their, their new stuff kind of makes them not pendulums. They're interesting not play like pendulums but like yeah they're still a pendulum deck they still do things but it's just like you do you do it differently now hmm i i gotta but give there's it a, they've always been the thing that you don't touch their back row like they want you to touch their back row you don't touch their back row. no absolutely not i, I remember like a, a tournament back back uh gosh a, a couple of uh a couple of tournaments ago uh, it was one of the last times that Helix played, and uh, somebody was playing Abyss Actors. I don't remember who. It was probably Somber. Maybe. It might have been Somber, yeah. And and I remember he activates like something to pop a back row, and I was like, ooh, that's dangerous to do with Abyss Actors. I was like, don't. <laughs> I'm like, you don't want to accidentally pop something dangerous. Well, uh, when, you have a, when you have an effect that says, if this set card is destroyed by an opponent's card effect. Mm-hmm. Summon five cards from your deck. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, that, when you have a card that says if this is destroyed by an opponent's card effect, draw five cards. It's mm-hmm. pretty good. And what's the other one that it shuffles everything your opponent controls back into their deck? I think it's like Wild Wagon or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like if their field spell was a lot better, then they would be probably. Yeah, they they like would be hit quite a, a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, because your field spell lets you change the effect of one of your opponent's cards to destroy a back row. Yeah, but I I almost I think feel it's only like once per turn. it is only once per turn. Uh, I feel like the only way that Abyss actors would get to that stage is almost like if they had a cash tira thing where it's like, oh, if your opponent tries to interact with your stuff, you can change one of their effects to like pop your back row. You know. Uh, yeah, if their field spell wasn't once per turn. <laughs> yeah, like if their field spell wasn't once per turn or if that effect was also on monsters, you know, because their monsters don't have that. And it's like, hey, okay, you know, but yeah. So like, uh, I-, I like what Konami's doing, changing pendulums to uh, to to be more kind of a fun zone, you know, like uh, l- l- let's let's make this these decks just do whatever i'm like i love that i'm all i'm here for it i love it when we experiment with like card types and super types to make them uh to make them play differently from what you'd expect it's one of my favorite things so like you know like the flowandries you you don't special summon but you technically special summon right every special summon counts as a normal summon and yeah yeah and so like it plays differently so I like it, you know, it's great. And I I hope to see more about this. And, uh, you know, like, yeah. That's what I have to say about that. Uh, but the second uh, YouTube video that we were watching this week, or I was watching this one, uh, Bird Keeper Toby is leaving YouTube. Uh, you ever hear about Bird Keeper Toby? 
I don't, I'm not I'm not really into like Pokemon stuff all that much. Like I watched the anime as a kid, but that was about it. Oh well, he's not about Pokemon. He keeps birds. It says popular PokeTuber. Damn it! I did put that on there, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> I was about to be. Like... So anyway, unfortunately for you, I'm one of the few Yu-Gi-Oh players that actually can read. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. Uh, Birdkeeper Toby has been a popular PokeTuber for nine years. He started his channel in twenty nine in twenty fifteen, and uh, and you know he's just like rose to popularity. I think he started it during while he was in college. You know, kind of like a, a, as a fun project, and it he it just kind of took off. It eventually became his career. He does like Pokemon lists, you know, like Fakemon, Pokemon theories, Pokemon lore, th- stuff like that. Uh, so, you know, just like a really popular member of the Pokemon community on YouTube. And, uh, he put out a video, uh, this past week where he basically said that, um, it's been a fun ride, but he's feeling burnout as a creator. You know, he's feeling like he doesn't want to keep just throwing the same content out at, at his audience. And he doesn't think that his audience would want him to keep doing that either. Uh, so he's, he's decided to take a hiatus uh, where he says anywhere between six months to a year, and that that's if he's coming back at all, right? Uh, yeah. He's, so he's like, you know, like he considers this basically, you know, quitting YouTube. Uh, but as creators tend to do, you know, like you never know if you're going to stay off of the platform. You know, you might come back in a different capacity. And he does make mention of this. You know, like, so, you know, if I decide to come back, if I decide to come back, uh, maybe, maybe it'll be a, as a Pokemon YouTuber. I don't know. Probably not. But like, if I do, it'll be different. What, what if I come back as instead of a, you know, Birdkeeper Toby, the, the PokeTuber? How, how about if I come back as a VTuber? How about if I come back as a lore tuber? You know, like a general lore. How, how about if I, if I just decide to make shorts instead, you know? Uh, so he has kind of like the, this whole gamut of like, you know, like m- maybe I come back, maybe, you know, but like right now it's not looking like it. And if I decide to come back, it won't be for at least six months to a year. Uh, he's taking this break, you know, he's doing it to to reconnect with family, with friends, you know, because like it basically the 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 channel was kind of becoming like his whole focus, you know, like that all I'm doing is is making content and if I'm not making content, I'm thinking of content to make. So, you know, like uh, uh, King of Canadian Hill in the chat says, it sounds like the artist got bored of his art. And yeah, you know, that that happens sometimes, you know, like and, and uh, King of Canadian Hill is an artist and as am I, you know, and I can I can express, yes, this is the same reason that I quit being a comic book artist, you know, because like whenever you're working in that industry and, and you know, like that, that's all it is, is it's a job. It kind of like you know you eventually kind of don't don't vibe with it anymore you know like so whenever I was drawing whenever I was drawing comic books it was always kind of like the same thing you know like it's we're drawing superheroes we're drawing supervillains they're they're fighting with each other and uh, like I don't know it's in a city and it's in this you know like there there's a jailbreak uh, like there's capes and costumes and stuff like that and in my head it's like. I just want to draw dragons, you know, like I want to draw, I don't know, like samurai. I want to draw fantasy, you know, like uh, stuff like this. But it's kind of like, yeah, okay, you 
let, let's do a one-off where like you know one of the villains turns into a dragon but it's still a superhero story and it's like okay you know so you, you kind of like get get to this point where it's it's a little exhausting and you know like the, where the thing that you used to have passion for it no longer is no longer something that you're passionate for you know uh so yeah i, I can 100 percent sympathize with them and uh, sometimes you need a break. Like, uh, that's kind of the thing that happened to me is, like, you know, over the past year, uh, I did get back into into doing art. And I only did it because I've been away from it for so long that I felt like the 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 creative juices were flowing again, you know? So, like, sometimes you do need to take a step back. And, like, so I, for one, 100% support uh, what what he was doing here, you know? And, uh, but li- like he said, you know, like maybe he stays away, maybe he doesn't. And, and it, it, it's as a creative, you know, sometimes you can walk away from your art and not look back. I don't feel like he might stay away. He might come back as a, as a different type of YouTuber, which is also fine. You know, you gotta, you gotta like let your art take you where it takes you. Uh, a couple of things that he says is, uh, so he's basically, given like a a deadline here that you know like uh, he's going to continue making content for bird keeper toby for the rest of this year and starting on january of next year he's he's done uh he will be attending a few shows and conventions in the meantime so he encourages fans that if if they see him at one of these shows you know come say hello because and, and i think this was like the most wholesome part of this video is that everything he said wasn't with like you know like sometimes uh, I've seen YouTubers leave the platform before and all they say is like all this negative stuff like, you know, like, oh, man, I don't know. Like, I, I just can't. I'm not feeling it. I'm burnt out. I'm this and that, blah, blah, blah. But Bird Keeper Toby was so appreciative of his fans. You know, like he he doesn't start the, the video by by just being like, OK, you know what? I'm tired. He starts the video by basically saying, look, I am quitting. But first, before we do it, before we say anything else, thank you to all of the fans, you know, thank you for like giving me an opportunity to do this. And it's just like a really heartwarming thing where he's basically telling his fans, look, it's been, it's been a real treat to do this for you guys. And, you know, like, it's a shame, you know, that, uh, that we're parting ways, but that's life. And I'm like, yeah, you know, this was a very genuine, very, very wholesome, uh, goodbye video. So, you know, uh, whatever his next endeavors are, I, I wish him well. You know, I really do. Yeah, it's uh, it's sad whenever somebody that you watch their content they they announce that they're going to be quitting. Mm-hmm. But I mean, at the same time, you got all you have to do is like wish them good luck and yeah, hope that they find uh, success in their future endeavors. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, he may not be quitting, but yeah, like uh, uh, you remember he's when he's taking a break. Yeah, just taking taking a one year break. You remember when Pikami left? Remember when Pikami graduated? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. of reasons, and then. But you know, it, other, it's it's cool yeah. that it's cool that we got other VTubers like Henya the Genius, right? Gigi's Bird Keeper Toby. We we hope we hope you you do well in whatever endeavors you 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 choose to follow, and uh, you know, enjoy the last four months. You know, like if if you like, say for example, if we ever decided to like call it quits on the channel the last couple of like you know episodes i would absolutely have the biggest blast that i could you know um and i kind of hope that he does that you know like hey you know what you're you're gonna be leaving 
treat it as a celebration, you know, like really, really connect with your fans for one last time, you know, like have fun with them, you know, like chat them up, you know, like make it about them is what I would do. But, you know, uh, well, we, we, we are. Or you just go off the rails like uh, what Coco did when she graduated from Hololive. Uh, and you just, you just let all inhibition go away. <laughs> oh, is that what happened? <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> Like, what was she doing? Now I'm curious. Like, she was unhinged as is. Mm-hmm. But she was just like, let's just take the whole door off. And that that was like every stream leading up to her graduation. <laughs> and then her graduation was all nice and sweet. They had all the members say goodbye. And then she did like a little concert because she never got to perform at her uh, concert. But ah, yeah, she left on good terms. So when are you and I doing a, a VTuber concert? I feel like that's something that we we haven't discussed enough. You and I are, are VTubers of a sort. Uh, whenever you learn how to do stuff like that. Uh, oh, so like there there's technical stuff required? We're not, you know, like we're in front of mics right now. We could just like serenade our audience with the no, sweet, that's, sweet that's stylings of Bon Jovi. Well, let's, let's go next. New selections and secret packs on Master Duel. Yeah, new selections and secret packs on Master Duel. It's I great. think I, I think I skipped like a whole slide. I'm not even gonna lie. Yeah, we we have a we have another one that I added here, which basically says other notable things we watched, and it's just kind of like a little something that I wanted to touch on. I did watch the One Piece live action. It's good, you know. I've seen clips of it. Yeah. it doesn't seem bad. Yeah, I'm not gonna go too far into it. Basically, just to just to add uh, here that you know, like it, it is. It is not even in the same category as other adaptations. Like, for example, like, you know, Death Note, the the live action. It is leaps and bounds different from that, which is good. You know, they do take artistic liberties uh, with, with the show a little bit just to kind of condense some story plots that might have been a little more bloated. And I think that's fine. You know, like uh, all of the actors seem to be well, seem to be comfortable in their roles and they seem to to like bring life to the characters uh, a lot of the anime humor is toned down a lot, which I feel like for a live action is appropriate. Um, I mean, you have to. Yeah. CGI costs a lot of money, I guess. Yeah, right. So, I mean, it's good. You know, like I, I I, watched it and I was like, yeah, like the changes that they made were really inoffensive. You know, they, they when live action adaptations have to happen, it, it's inevitable that you're going to have to take some creative liberties. But I think that the important thing is that the creative liberties stay true to the spirit of uh, of the original work, uh, which this one absolutely 100% does. So, you know, cool. Um, secondly, I have a clip. Uh, I watched a clip from the, the British game show The Chase, uh, which you introduced me to, Dare. Uh, yeah. And in this one in particular, this was a hilarious clip, which is my favorite brand of humor is when somebody they asked uh, what the, the German name for Andy Cap was, I think. No, uh, no, no, no. This or is something like that. It's something different. So basically, like my this is my favorite brand of humor where somebody in a professional setting uh, reads something that is funny but they're trying to keep it together and they're obviously failing. It, it is my favorite type of humor, you know? Uh, and so in this particular episode of The Chase, uh, the host, uh, Bradley Walsh, asks uh, the question of uh, what sport does the German athlete Fanny Schmeller play? <laughs> and, and, you know, like, he manages to deliver the question with a straight face, 
But like afterwards, when as he's thinking about it, you know, I think he just kind of like realizes like, oh, that person's name is Fanny Schmeller, isn't it? Which you you, you know the difference between the British word fanny and the american word fanny correct? yes absolutely yes i do okay so uh so say because it has a completely different meaning it, it does it does so he is fighting for his life trying to keep a straight face but he is turning red you know he he's got like this tight tight-lipped smile where he's holding back the laughter I think at one point there was even tears, you know, where he's just really trying. <laughs> and there's another one where he asked the question of what the German name of Andy Cap from this, uh, I think it was like a, a cartoon or something. Mm-hmm. They asked what the German name for Andy Cap was, and the names were Dick Tingler, <laughs> uh, Helmet Schmacker, or <laughs> Willy Wacker. And he he could not, he could not. You know, supposedly, and this is something that I found out uh, after watching this clip because it was said so in the comments, uh, that supposedly it it was this this type of scenario where, you know, like they would where he ran into a question and then he tried to keep it together for the camera and just failed that made their ratings skyrocket. So writers in the future just started throwing in curveball questions like that just to make him lose his shit. (laughs) it's something with uh, TV that if you have a character mm-hmm. that is supposed to be this character, mm-hmm. it's always amusing to see them break character. That's yeah. like with wrestling. It's always amusing to watch like the videos of people trying to get the undertaker to laugh because ah. undertaker's this guy who's not supposed to laugh. And there's like a, a rather famous one where they have the undertaker while he's in his American badass phase mm-hmm down in the ring and mm. Booker T's trying to get him to do the spinner Rooney and just one by one, the WWE locker rooms coming out and they're all doing the spinner Rooney trying to get undertaker to do it. And, uh, he had a interview, I think with stone cold. And he was like, I was so pissed. Cause it was just one after one person got down to the ring. Here comes someone else's interest music and God damn it. If they didn't try to make me do it too. Uh, I was going to ask you about that because it, like I, I ran into into a similar clip from uh, several WWE events and it's this one wrestler who I don't recognize and his whole thing was you know he would he would get up to the mic and he would talk smack and he's like you and me or you and this guy and you're not going to make it out of this and then like the the wrestler that he was talking to would be like I'm not fighting in this event and he'd be like oh our truth yes Yes, our truth is a fucking national treasure. Because <laughs> uh, they, they gave him like the persona of a lovable idiot. Yeah, yeah. And he just he took it and ran with it. There's there's so many clips of him just like doing because like, because they have like multiple different types of wrestlers, right? There's the heel, which is the bad guy. There's yeah. the baby face, which is the good guy. You have your enhancement talents, which are just professional losers basically Mm -hmm. they're supposed to go and like make someone look better Mm -hmm. and then you have your comedy acts which was like our truth santino morella and like their whole thing in the business is to make you laugh yeah yeah and it it did like especially because here's the thing like every time when when he he would just be like oh you're not fighting in this 
My bad, everybody. My bad. And you can see some of the guys who are supposed to be. That's on me. Yeah. The guys who are trying to, who are supposed to be like the heels or like the tough guys and stuff like that. And they start breaking, you know, like they, they start laughing themselves and just kind of like turning away from the camera. And I'm like, there's one where, uh, he goes out while Brock Lesnar's in the ring, which if you know who Brock Lesnar is, he's Mm -hmm. a UFC fighter. He's, I think he was MF MMA. Mm-hmm. So he's just like this really massive dude, and he's also like wrestled in the WWE for years. Yeah, and he was the champion at the time, and uh, him and Paul Heyman, which was his manager, are out in the ring talking about the Royal Rumble. Our mm-hmm. truth comes down to the ring, and he's going on and on about how he's going to be in the Royal Rumble, and he's going to win. And he 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 goes, and I know you're a big. Big. That's the exact one big, I saw. Big man. Yeah. But I'm gonna throw you over the ring at the Royal Rumble. Paul Heyman. Fucking Paul Heyman just looks shocked. Brock Lesnar, who's just he's supposed to be tough, stone cold, like killer type vibe, busts out laughing. Yeah. Uh, I, that's the exact clip that I saw where he goes like, "You, Paul Heyman," <laughs> and it was just like, like what? are you talking about it's like oh my bad my bad that's on me and everyone's just laughing and i was like dude like this is my favorite brand of humor and it kind of it reminded me of a little bit like if you've ever seen like uh the monty python life of brian is the biggest dickest clip you know where it's like do you find it risible when i mention my friend biggest dickest and like the the, fun fact about that that was completely improvised it was like the the guys playing the centurions had no idea that the joke was coming which is why they're fighting to keep it together and 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 they just they rolled with it they just rolled with it 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 is beautiful man i love that kind of humor that is my favorite So it, the, the, whenever I saw that clip from the chase, I was like, "Oh, I have to talk about this." And right now, when you when when you were mentioning the WWE, and I remembered, oh, I I did see the thing from r Truth, and it was beautiful. It's the same kind of thing. I love it. Uh, I'll, I'll send you a video of the best of like r Truth moments because he does he did that stuff all the time. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. I love it. And uh, the last thing that I mentioned on our now watching thing was a, a team APS video where Paul basically in in his rant mode, which he, he's very self-aware that he rants. You know, he's he's he, Paul is under no misconception that that he doesn't do this, you know. Uh, so, you know, he 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 starts the video by apologizing like, yeah, you know, this is going to be a Paul's on his soapbox again, you know, like this stuff like that. Uh, and he's ranting about the fact that, you know, like, Konami has to be aware that some of the cards that they print are just never going to see play. They're they're not going to do anything because, like, the, the way that the strong decks are designed, they're designed to be really, really strong. But then you print some cards that it's like, when did you ever expect this to be usable anyway? Like, you know, so he says, it, it, the thing about this is, it would be really cool if we could use these cards, you know, because they're not bad. You know, they're just they're just not strong. They're good cards. They're just not strong. So it, it would be really cool if we had alternative formats where these things had a chance to do something, you know. And uh, it, it's kind of it kind of like reminded me of like the the conversations that you and I have been having going back. That you know, like honestly, the best way to fix. Uh, a lot of the problems and a lot of the player retention that Yu-Gi-Oh is having is to um, is to create alternative formats for new players and such, you know. 
so that that way, you know, like th- there's there's places where like say say I didn't want to play tier elements during tier format, which I didn't. So you know, like, but if there was like a nice place where I could retreat to. And, and, you know, play a different format with a different deck and it would be fine. You know, like that would have been really good. You know, I, I might have like gone to locals a lot more during that era. Um, so it, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, yeah, like th- this just makes sense. You know, like luckily for me, I, I kind of like during that time, you know, we, we did have Master Duel. So I could go to Master Duel and play and play Tri Brigade and such, you know. But like it, for... For people who want to play, like, you know, the TCG, th- there's no place to retreat. You know, like, if you if you have a crap a crap format, you're just stuck playing that format, you know? Unless you just want to do tabletop games with your friends or uh, unless you just want to do something other. But, like, you know, how, how crappy is it that, you know, like, if you want to play, like, one of your pet decks or, or something like that and you just have no place to do so? Uh, so, you know, he, he, it was just kind of like a thing where I was like, yeah, we, we've mentioned this a couple of, uh, in a couple of videos already. And I was like, it's kind of funny that he's kind of on our save wavelength. Well, I, th- I feel like a lot of the Yu-Gi-Oh community does share like a lot of the same beliefs with each other mm-hmm. because I, I'm trying to find the card, uh, cause it came out probably a year or two ago. It's, it's like a guy that's dressed up like a. A dinosaur but it's like cardboard boxes mm-hmm. and he's on like a set for like a movie or something and i remember i opened that mm-hmm. and i looked at it and i read its effect and my my like first thoughts were why is this a card like it's not going to be played no one's going to play it. it's just pack filler and that's for the longest time now konami has just made pack filler mm-hmm. and it's it's like you said, there's not going to be a time that that's going to be useful yeah. unless there's an alternate format for one, it. One of the biggest examples of that is a Psychic Eraser Laser. That is such a good card, and it will never see play because compared to the stuff that's out there already, it's like, where do you play this card? You know, like, where, where like, why would you play this as opposed to something else that's just stronger, you know? Uh, so, yeah, yeah it, it's kind of one of those things. So, like, I agree with him, you know, definitely different formats, the best way to go about this, uh, you know, so yeah, just kind of figured I'd put it up here and be like, hey, yeah, th- this was kind of funny. Uh, but you were mentioning the new selection and the new secret packs on Master Duel. Yeah, because I was trying to get you off the topic of what's, whatever it was. I don't remember what that topic was. Good, let's not go back to it. Yeah. Yeah, the new selection pack. Yeah, so we have the Beastly Claws of Terror, which is the new secret pack. And as we know, secret packs in Master Rule is basically like uh, they're packs that are that are focused on certain archetypes and stuff. And if you uh, if you craft like they're not ever in the shop unless you craft a super rare or an ultra rare, or you accidentally pull a secret rare or an ultra rare from that specific archetype or from that specific secret pack. At which point it becomes unlocked for twenty four hours. So, Beastly Claws of Terror features Scareclaw, Visa Starfrost, and X-Sabers. And it is presently going to be present in the shop unlimited for, uh, for an unlimited time until October 9th. At which point, it will become a fully secret secret pack, which means that you will have to craft either a super rare or an ultra rare to unlock it for 24 hours so you can pull from that pack. Um, 
the new selection pack, uh, which you know are on the shop for like a limited time and then they disappear, uh, is Inherited Unity, which features dual monsters era support, including the new Egyptian god stuff for Obelisk the Tormentor, uh, Black Luster Soldier, including his new ritual, uh, and Red Eyes, including the new Red Eyes Soul card. So, you know, like if you're a fan of like Dual Monsters era stuff, you got some Dual Monsters era stuff in that one. It's pretty it's pretty dope. So, so some like not great stuff <laughs> other than the Vice's Star Frost. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, you could say that. Uh, I feel like the here's the something that I, I just have to kind of say about this is I, I honestly think like that the Egyptian God Support is really, really good. The problem is that Egyptian God decks as a concept are really really slow <laughs> like you know like if you put like what what is it fist of fate in any other deck for any other card it'd be really good you know but like so it's it's the fan favorite type thing right because they want to they want to like give support to things that like casual Yu-Gi-Oh players like so yeah, uh, I just want to address King of Canadian Hill in, in the chat says that he's a fan of the Death Note live action. I, I really hope he means like the Japanese live action, which was, uh, which at the very least attempted to stay true to the spirit of the thing. Uh, whereas the, Ameri- yeah, the, the, the American live action just completely deviated from like what it was meant to be and what it was meant to say. And it was, uh, oh boy. Well, it's the Simpsons is what they did. Yeah, it was, uh, oh boy. Uh, it just, I, I remember watching it, right? And within the first 15 minutes, I was like, oh, it's going to be one of those adaptations. <laughs> just like already we, we had just completely taken a different road. And I was just like, all right, let, let's stick with it and see where it goes. You know, like 45 minutes in, and I was like, nope, shouldn't have stuck with it. This is not at all what I was like, hoping for. Uh, but yeah, with one exception, Willem Dafoe as Ryuk, fucking chef's kiss of a casting choice. Just excellent. Just yes. The rest of the movie, eh, no. But like th- that one choice, excellent, fantastic. Uh, but anyway. Moving on from the... Oh, uh, one last thing I wanted to say about the selection packs is I hear that this new Black Luster Soldier ritual is actually really good. Do you know what it does? Uh, which one is it? Uh, the the new one that came out in Maze of Memories. It's the new one in Maze of Memories. Yeah, so like I, I'm not 100% certain as to what it, what it does. So Let me look it up real quick. Okay, in the meantime... I but, was unaware... Uh, allow me to serenade you with the musical stylings of things I'm making. I have it looked up, so don't even fucking start. <laughs> you can ritual summon this with chaos form or super soldier ritual. Must be ritual summoned during your oh, must be ritual summoned during your draw phase. Before you draw, you can reveal this card in your hand. Give up your normal draw. If you do add one ritual spell from your deck to your hand, your opponent cannot activate cards during the battle phase. When this card attacks, it, oh, when this uh, ritual summon monster. Attacks and destroys a monster of a battle. You can shuffle all cards your opponent controls into the deck. Oh, holy cow! There it is. I was like, oh, so far that's pretty standard fare. You must ritual summon it. You know, it has battle tricks. Okay, like when do we get to the juicy stuff? It is like, oh, if it destroys something by battle, shuffle everything into the deck. That's that's juicy. That that is uh, ooh. like it. It's a one-sided fiber jar kind of. Yeah. Uh. That that being said, ritual summoning is inherently difficult. 
So are you going to be able to make this all the time? Probably not. But if if you manage to jump through those hoops and do that, it's pretty much duel over at that point, right? Because, you know, like, you, yeah. can, you can recover from things going to your graveyard. No problem. You well, can recover. It, that's not even that hard to summon, though. Because yeah. Because it says you can, whenever you draw, you can reveal it in your hand. And then instead of drawing, you add a ritual spell to your hand. Right, right. So you just get your chaos form or your super soldier. So that that's ritual. Whew, that is good. Uh, like I still feel like it's a little bit of a of a hmm, like a let, let's jump through some hoops. But the payoff is really the, really the, good. The hoops are really low, and they're also really easy to walk through. Right, like you don't have to jump; you could walk through them. Yeah, so really really good. I like it. But moving on from this, uh, we have. Fire Emblem, mobilize, engage. The manga adaptation of Intelligence Systems, Fire Emblem Engage, will release its first volume in Japan on on the 4th of September. So today, I guess, in Japan? Tomorrow, if we're we're talking, like, our 4th? Because they're, what, like a day ahead? Yeah. Yeah, so, like, so tomorrow for us, today for them? Uh, so this is a, a They're 24 hours ahead of us. So it's uh, 1 a.m., 2 uh, a.m. for them. Okay. So, yeah. So uh, today Not for 24, them. 12. So uh, the, this uh, apparently the manga has been in serialization in uh, Saikyo Jump, which is a kind of kind of like a, a spinoff of Shonen Jump. It's like a monthly publication by Suisha. And yeah, so uh, the authors are credited as Nintendo and Kazuro Kyo. Who may also be the artist? Uh, like it, it's unclear. He was he was because sometimes the the manga artist and the manga author are the same person. Sometimes they're different people. So whenever I saw him listed as the author, I kind of assumed that he also did the art. Not sure. Uh, but with that being said, this is an adaptation of the of the video game. Uh, so like you know, uh, if all of the story that you guys have been seeing me play on Let's Play Nights. It is basically what this manga is about. Uh, it may, you know, like uh, kind of like canonize a couple of things, which in the game are kind of up to choice. Um, but yeah, uh, one one other thing that I want to mention, and I, I had to write this down because I did I did Google search Kazuro Kyo just to kind of see if he was he was an artist in, in anything before, so that I could tell you for sure whether he was an uh, just the author or if he did both. And, uh, you know, g- given like a couple of uh, of images that I found of the Google search, if he is the artist, he is down bad for the Divine Dragon Lumera because the man just seems to, he seems to enjoy drawing her. And I was like, yeah, it's understandable. That, so, yeah, that, this is exciting. You know, like Fire Emblem Engage, I, I kind of enjoyed the playthrough. It was fun, you know. Like uh, we're we're doing a second one right now, where the where the audience picks my party, and that adds a whole new level of uh, of challenge and difficulty. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about uh, manga adaptations of video games. Uh, it, it's weird, you know, because like sometimes an anime adaptation of a video game or a manga adaptation of a video game can be can be good. Um, I I can't think of any examples of it. But I do know that, like, the examples that that I can think of that weren't so good are things like uh, Kingdom Hearts. I-, I thought the Kingdom Hearts manga was kind of, like, just really, really stepping on the gas and kind of breezing over a lot of things. 
uh, almost as if they were trying really hard to catch up to where the lore was by the point that the manga started. And it it, it just felt kind of like a rush job, you know? So I don't know. Uh, I guess it, it kind of depends on what they, what they were hoping to do with this. And, and also, it's kind of weird that the manga adaptation comes out so far after the video game did. You know what I'm saying? Like, normally these things are kind of released in tandem just to kind of, like, drive up hype for one another. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but yeah. So it's weird that we're getting the manga. It's like, hey, you know what? Uh, you're getting the manga, the the first volume, in September fourth uh, of of twenty twenty three, when the game came out in January. <laughs> so, uh, kind of kind of a weird one, but uh, just uh, I figured, you know, it's relevant because we've been uh, we've been playing this on the channel, so I just kind of figured I'd talk about it. Uh, but continuing on video game news. Uh, friend or food? League of Legends reveals new champion named Briar. Yeah, Briar is an uh, interesting one. Yeah. She's apparently supposed to be like a jungler, question mark? Yeah, and... I, I, I kind of put like damage, question mark, because like her, her abilities kind of led me to believe that. But jungler, I feel, makes more sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. She seems like she would be able to just like gank and whatnot i'm sure i've, I've been reading her abilities here and mm -hmm. they're interesting yeah uh haven't really read enough into it to see like if she's got like a dota 2 comparison that <laughs> i could put her to just but... gonna like measure it up me measure her up to dota and see how that goes well th there's always like parallels between champions and heroes yeah in the two different games and like usually they do draw inspiration from each other mm. so but like from the trailer it, it looks like she's like a highly mobile hero that you would put in like a jungle position so they would roam around the map and whatnot one of her abilities is a sneak attack isn't it i think she has an ability that's specifically called sneak attack yeah yeah so yeah you know like uh, she she can stun enemies she can bleed enemies things like that and it looks like her abilities cost health to to cast so Which that's not something that's unfamiliar with league they have a couple uh heroes that or a couple champions that have alternate uh spell costs like uh garen has like no spell cost, and then you have something like Shivana that has like a power mechanic or a rage mechanic, and mm -hmm. so it's not it's not out of the ordinary to see an alternate way for you to have to pay for your spells. Did you see her reveal trailer? Yeah, I just watched that. Yeah, it's uh, call me crazy, but like it gives me like very high energy, almost like very jinx like vibes. Like, but not not jinx from like you know like you know like get jinxed jinx, but almost like arcane jinx whenever she's having like her uh, her episodes. Her mental breakdown. Yeah, a, a little bit like that. Um, also, kind of like reminds me a little bit of like I don't know if you've seen the Netflix movie Nimona, a little bit like that, a little. Yeah, uh, I've watched that. Yeah, like so it's got like I, I, I could kinda see that one, yeah. Yeah, she's got like this bright color palette. You know, she's she's a cute character who has a monstrous form. Uh really cool. Um, let's see. And then feet. Yeah, the controversy and, over and her feet. Fears. 
the memes on the day that this happened that they gave her shoes right on her on her splash art and the fans were like no no do not take this from us <laughs> it's just like this is like a, about a week ago where we were talking about like Rosemi Lovelock's new uh new design where where she uh where now she has like either open toe sandals or something and people started calling her toe semi. Uh it's just yeah, like people are weird. I'm excited for it. Like I've always been a huge fan of like Riot uh the, their art direction. I think like all of their art always looks very very clean. Uh, I think art-wise it's really hard to to argue that Riot and like Wizards of the Coast just have like just quality artwork like all the time. I, I'm always happy to see a new champion. Just kind of like see like the different design elements with with it. And uh, this one here, like the 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 splash of just bright pink on like a very very terrifying character. In my opinion, it's just like hey, that's that's kind of cool. I like it. Uh, but speaking of mobas, Dota bans a ridiculous amount of Smurfs. Which this. So th this is actually, I love this, because uh, they released a new update. I'm not going to say it was a patch because they didn't really change any heroes or anything. Mm -hmm. But they did like a kind of housekeeping type patch mm -hmm. where they banned 90,000 people for smurfing. That is a lot. And, <laughs> uh, alongside this, they also added like a new behavioral system that has like communication uh you're you have a communication score now for how well you like talk in a game and you have a behavioral score and based on like what your score is you gain and or lose certain abilities in the game and certain abilities this, like oh what do you mean well uh this is most likely going to get changed because valve didn't think it through uh, but if you have a behavior score of less than 5,000, you lose the ability to pause the game. <laughs> so you can't unpause the game either. And recently there's been a clip going around of uh, someone who queued in a, I want to say it was either Europe West or Southeast Asia server. Mm -hmm. And they were the only one with a behavior score over 5,000. And they decided, well, I'm tired. I'm going to take a nap. They paused the game for three hours, took a nap, came back, and then half of, like, three of the people on the other team had abandoned it by that time. So they, uh, they, they ended up winning because who's going to sit for three hours and wait for your game? Yeah, really. That, that is wow. That that is a hell of an oversight. Yeah, but uh, Valve's a small indie company that they're they're uh, they don't know any better. So, <laughs> but they they also added new sets in with this and the new summer terrain, uh, because it's summer now apparently. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it was a welcomed change because at the end of each match people have the option to either like and commend you or dislike and that affects your behavioral score. Right. And like I said, if you have like, I think it's a thousand allows you to actually use chat mm -hmm. and use like uh, pings and stuff 
5,000 allows you to pause the game. And I don't remember what 10,000 allows, but um, a lot of people have been more vocal since the change. A lot of people are more like kind during the change. That's good. (laughs) Uh, Europe West is still really toxic. I played a game this morning on Europe (laughs) West and it was just two people telling how they're going to fuck each other's mother. And I was like, that's, um, you guys are going to get reported for those. So yeah, have fun. It, it, it never fails. It, it feels like it's in on every online game with any degree of uh, uh, competition, you know, it, it like yeah, sooner any competitive or game. any competitive game sooner or later, somebody's going to do something to somebody else's mother. It's, it never fails. Uh, we have a couple of a uh, couple of sad news, uh, like just to kind of like uh, round out the, uh, the the episode here. Uh, two iconic legends pass on this past week. Uh, Arlene Sorkin, uh, who was known for playing Calliope Jones for a long time on Days of Our Lives, and for being both the inspiration and the voice of Harley Quinn on Batman the Animated Series and other projects such as the Arkham video games and uh, uh, a bunch of DC animated universe movies. Uh, yeah. So she has passed away. Uh Harley Quinn was actually a character that didn't exist in the Batman comics. She was created specifically for Batman the Animated Series by artist Paul Dini. And Paul Dini is friends with Arlene Sorkin, and he based the character off of her. So, uh, yeah, so basically he created this character, and he was like, look, Arlene, it's you. Uh, But I'm also working on Batman the Animated Series. You want to play this character? And the rest is history. She's been Harley Quinn pretty much ever since. Um, he, so kind of a kind of a sad thing, you know. Like um, Harley Quinn is super popular character. I mean, she's just kind of like the breakout star uh, of like you know uh, the Batman the animated series because uh, once once she made her appearance there, she was very well received by fans. Uh, she eventually went on to appear in comics. As of recent, she's had like a, a bunch of success in her own comic series, in her own movies. And recently, even like her own animated uh, animated show, I think, which is on HBO Max, uh, which is, is always kind of like a, a parody of the superhero genre, you know, like stuff like that. So, you know, like, yeah, kind of an icon that, you know, like walked into the uh, the comic book world. I, I almost on accident, I want to say. And uh, but like that said, it's not like she didn't have like a, a very successful acting career otherwise because she did you know like uh, you look on her uh, wikipedia and on her imdb she actually has a bunch of roles in a bunch of other things a lot of which i don't recognize but you know i don't watch soap operas so (laughs) so like you know uh yeah so kind of sad to see her go she passed in uh in 2023 last week um i think uh of complications due to multiple sclerosis i'm having a hard time pronouncing things uh, but I, I, I can tell. Yeah. Uh, but that said, uh, you know, we also have Bob Barker, who was, if you don't know who Bob Barker is, then that's more astounding. Yeah. You, you, the dude lived to almost be a hundred years old. He if died he had at 99. Li- if he had lived to December, he would have been a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's, that's one of the upsetting things is like, so close. But yeah, it's uh, probably one of the biggest animal rights advocates in the history of forever. Yeah, 
and he was also I, I noticed you didn't put it, he was on Happy he was uh Happy Gilmore I think was the movie right Oh he was on Happy Gilmore wasn't he I totally he, forgot he made, a, he made a ton of cameos Yeah like cuz he's so recognizable you mentioned whenever you you uh whenever you noted this to be that he had passed that uh, he was a household name and very true you know he really was uh, so. I, I think the way I actually found out that he passed was I was watching a video because you, you'd mentioned to me last week that a lot of wrestlers had passed mm-hmm. and someone made a video of uh, all of the wrestlers who passed in uh, 2023 and Bob Barker was on it for some reason. And I looked it up and for some reason he's in like the Hall of Fame for the WWE. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I was like, "Why?" The the okay, you know what? You don't know. That's that's fair. Uh, but yeah, he he was the host of the Prices Right for a long time, like decades, you know. And they uh, to the point where I almost feel like his name is synonymous with the Prices Right. Uh, but here's a little a little unknown fact, little little factoid that I dug up while I was uh, researching him. Uh, he was apparently also the host of a show called Truth or Consequences from 1956 to 1975, uh, where the show was basically like they would play, they would ask you a question and then give you a couple of seconds to answer, and it was always either like a riddle or like a, a obscure trivia or uh, just a, a, you know finish the punchline of a joke, and then you would uh, so. If you managed to do it within the small time frame that they gave you to answer it or to finish the sentence or whatever, uh, then they would continue on that train. So, you know, like that joke would have a part two or like that that riddle would have another riddle to follow it, et cetera, et cetera. And so, like, if you manage if you manage to get it, you, you keep going. And if you fail at any point, you're forced to do kind of like an embarrassing dare. King points out that Cherry uh, Funk and Jimmy Buffett also died. We, we mentioned, we actually mentioned uh, Terry Funk. We and, did mention Terry uh, Funk. Windhelm Watundra, which is Bray Wyatt. We mentioned them last week. Yeah, I, I found out about Jimmy Buffett literally last night at around yeah. three in the morning because I was, you know, like I mentioned well, I was going to send you the post that I saw on Twitter and be like, so no more Margaritaville. Yeah, that, that man, uh, you know, he 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 founded Margaritaville. He he coined the term. It's five o'clock somewhere, you know, like he, he's a legend in his own right. Uh, but yeah, like last night like I mentioned to you before the stream, I was having trouble sleeping. So I was just browsing through memes and you know you know how it is on meme pages and meme apps that whenever like someone famous passes eventually like all of the rip posts start coming up uh so yeah i found out that that it was uh it was jimmy buffett and i was like ah oh, dude like jeez uh so like it got kind of a weird thing you know like i didn't want this to be end up being the stream where we're just like talking about like one person after another after another that passed away but yeah, unfortunately, you know, like hey, some uh, some legends have been around for quite some time, and you know, like their time in the in the light, their their legend has to fade. You know, it's it's a sad reality of life. It's gonna be upsetting when, like, next week we we say Nicolas Cage passed away or something. No, well, speaking of Nicolas Cage. Uh, there are rumors that Nicolas Cage is coming back as Ghost Rider for an MCU project. Let's go. 
uh, See, that's 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 called a segue. Yeah, no, my segues are always terrible. I always say, speaking yeah, of the next thing, and then I just and then I just change the slide. I'm like segues are hard, so sometimes I just I just kind of improvise. You see, uh, but yeah, so like Nicolas Cage uh, played uh, Ghost Rider in, in like the Ghost Rider movie, which came out must have come out in like 2005 ish. I remember I was like high school age when I saw it. Um, kind of a kind of a fun movie, like but not fun as in this movie is good. It's fun as in like this movie is bad. But it's so bad, it's good. Yeah, like the Doom movie, like Room. Yeah, 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 like stuff like that. So, you know, like, it, it's cheesy, it's hokey, it's campy, we love it, you know? And, and it's got Nicolas Cage as a lead, and he's he has just made a career, uh, which, one thing that should be noticed, Nicolas Cage is often said to be one of the hardest working actors in Hollywood, and it shows, because he really, you know, like, he really isn't a lot of stuff. Uh, but other than that, you know, he, he does, he is kind of characterized as being like, uh, a really over the top actor. Like, you know, roles that he's in are, are often like played for comedy, uh, because there's their actions and their reactions and like their line deliveries, like always so, so very extra. Like one of the iconic ones that, that every always gets brought up is not the bees, the bees, not the bees. (laughs) So uh so yeah you know like nicholas cage and the wicker man nicholas cage and the wicker man he he is kind of like that type of actor so him in ghost rider ghost rider like the the quintessential marvel anti-hero you know like a a guy cursed by the devil to to be a bounty hunter to to catch demons and ride a motorcycle yeah to, to catch demons that escape from hell on his flaming motorcycle with his head's a skull on fire and so like putting Nicolas Cage as the lead in this, I was like, "Oh, this has got to be good." <laughs> like I went to watch it, and I was like, "Yeah," but it, it's it's not good as in like, "Wow, this movie really changed my life." It's good as in like, "Oh, wow!" Like the acting over the top, the effects cheesy as hell, like the 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 plot a kind of hokey. I love every bit about this. This is great. It's, it's fantastic. Um, but uh, so. With that being said, there was an Entertainment Insider Twitter account uh, that basically was replying to uh, to this this one uh, Twitter account that all they do is they post pictures and like animated gifs from uh, from different like superhero media. And uh, in this particular animated picture, it was like Nicolas Cage transforming into Ghost Rider. And so this Entertainment Insider Twitter account replies by saying, Oh, I love this movie. It's great that Nicolas Cage is coming back. So, you know, kind of like one of these things. Like, So we know that they're an Entertainment Insider and like the, the name of the account is uh, My Time to Shine Hello. Uh, so we know that they're an Entertainment Insider. So it, it's, it's them saying this just kind of like started the rumor mill spinning where it's like, Is Nicolas Cage coming back as Ghost Rider? Uh, in a Marvel movie, like like in the MCU, is that possible? And National it, Treasure Three, <laughs> the Ghost Rider. <laughs> National Treasure Three, Ghost Riding. Uh, but like, what's it called? So the Marvel universe, presently as it is, seems to be kind of like going off into like multiverse territory. So it could happen. I mean, like this is one of those things. It's like you know. Maybe, 
like it could but like we're not gonna hold our breath if it doesn't happen don't be surprised you know but like if it does happen let's go yeah like Nicolas Cage back as Ghost Rider let's do it and uh, I guess it should be noted that Nicolas Cage has had a role in a Marvel project recently technically a Sony project because he plays Spider uh, Spider-Man Noir in uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse so you know uh, he's he's involved in that also notable Nicolas Cage is actually a huge fan of comic books. Uh, as a matter of fact, his uh, his stage name, Nicolas Cage, uh, he chose it because he he named himself after Marvel uh, character Luke Cage. So, you know, just a little bit of trivia in case you didn't know. I didn't know that. Yeah, so like... He... I thought his name was actually Nicolas Cage. No, that's not his real name. That's his stage name and chosen because, you know, like he, he was a fan of the Luke Cage hero for hire comic book. Uh, so, oh, you That's know. kind of upsetting. I, I had Nicolas Cage tattooed on my back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that is... I thought that was his name. I'm like, that is a choice that you decided to make and you now have to now live it's with. A, now Nicolas Cage, he doesn't even exist. Yeah. He's it's just fake. Yeah, it's just it's 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 a uh, it's fake names. With all of that said, thank you guys for tuning in for today's episode of the Battleface Podcast. Normally, this is the Friday episode being uh, recorded on Sunday because uh, you know, like it's it's been a hell of a week, dude. Like it was a uh, oh, we we had unexpected things come up. We had like you know, we were feeling under the weather. Uh, like you know, the day jobs just never relent. It is always one thing after another. But you know what? Coming in to record an episode to hang out with you guys in the audience, to our listeners on the on the podcasting platforms, and to hang out with Dare Bear uh, is just honestly like the highlight of my week. Like the, the, these are these are the days that I look forward to. These are the days of our lives. Is that something that Morgan Freeman said? No, it's like sand. And it's, it's from days of our wives. Oh. Well, you you said it in like Morgan Freeman accent. Well, that's what they say on the TV show. Is it like? But is that? Do you think I watch Days of Our Lives? That's the show that Arlene Sorkin played Calliope Jones in. Yeah, I was referencing that. Were you referencing that? I thought that like. Could you? How could you not know? I thought it was a weird coincidence. (laughs) It's we're we're too far past being redeemable at this point <laughs> yes but uh anyway uh, i want to thank you guys for showing up and for uh and for chatting with us and uh you know we'll be back next week on a regularly scheduled time provided that nothing weird happens like it did this week and uh other than that i have been the midnight bard like sun through an hourglass he, I have been Derringer. He has been there and that is a classy sign out he has been derringer adios Bye.